Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show with host Tanya Brown. We are coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana, to offer you a little pop of bite-sized magic. Our 20-minute-ish episodes provide daily news, book releases, witch fails, and more. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. All right, so we have a special segment today. We're talking with author and witch Amanda Yates Garcia. Amanda Yates Garcia is a writer, artist, professional witch, and the Oracle of Los Angeles. Her work has been featured in The Millions, The LA Times, Time Out, LA Weekly, Goop, Glamour, The London Times, CNN, Salon, as well as a viral appearance on the Tucker Carlson Tonight Show. So, hi Amanda, how are you? Hi, I'm, I'm great. Thanks for, thanks for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Yes, thank you so much for, you know, taking time out of your busy schedule and, uh, yeah, coming on and, you know, chatting with us. So you wrote a book recently that has just been a hit. Um, I, you know, seen it everywhere. Uh, a close friend of mine who is a librarian has seen it coming and going out of the library. Um, so for a listener who just may not be familiar or have seen it, um, can you tell us about your memoir and kind of what it covers and really just what it's about? Yeah, well, so... I would say that my book, Initiated, Memoir of a Witch, is really a love letter to my mother. Uh, I talk a lot about my relationship with her. She she initiated me into witchcraft. I mean, it's also a love letter to witchcraft, to the femmes of the world. I mean, lots of books cover the basics of what witchcraft is, or like how to cast a circle, or what wit- herbs to use, or like how to anoint a candle, but I think for me, it was really important to tell the story of why I was attracted to witchcraft and what it meant to me since that wasn't something that I'd seen talked about a lot. And I also wanted to talk about how I integrated it into my life personally. And then I had this love for like mythology and fairy tales and folk tales and a love of nature. And I'm a feminist. And like I said, I was initiated into into witchcraft you know, and as a child, when I was about 13, by my mother, but I didn't really become a witch until I really began struggling to try and make my way in the world where I encountered, you know, all the all the forces that hold us back, you know, capitalism, mm. patriarchy, and those forces are really real and they're destroying the planet. And I think a lot of the time witchcraft is treated as something that's sort of like silly or imaginary, but um, I saw that the forces that were working against us were causing serious harm to, to, to the earth, to the women in my lineage. And I was really using witchcraft as a way of overcoming that. And I wanted to discuss that and just get into the heart of it. And so I also, and you know, I also really wanted to talk about mythology and art and goddesses and all the magical women throughout history that I really loved. And I wanted to show that practicing magic is really about more than just spells and potions and 
stuff like that. It's really about justice. It's about re-enchanting the world and making it sacred. And so witchcraft is is the tool I use to do that. And I wanted an opportunity to share my love for it with the world. So that's, that's what it's about. And that's why I was writing it. So you touch on something there that I think a lot of people have experienced, but isn't really discussed where, you you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of witches really felt the witch calling when they were young, but really didn't um, embrace it or go through that journey until they were older and facing maybe the oppression of the world or the struggles of the world. Um, And I think that's something a lot of people feel, but no one a lot of people don't make that connection. Yeah. I mean, so if, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're talking about how like a lot of people when they're children are attracted to witchcraft, but don't really come to it in a serious way until later in their life. Yeah, for sure. Especially in that maybe like mid twenties um, or early twenties when they are starting to face kind of the ugliness of the world. Yeah, I mean, I think too, I think that children, in particular, like feminine identifying children, are natural witches, right? They're just, we're just attracted to magic. Like we love wands and spells and we have our animal familiars and, you know, we love to to play dress up and slip into trances. And so I think that there's just a natural affinity there. And then also, you know, when we're teenagers, I mean, a lot of us practice magic when we're teenagers and, um, you know, play with tarot cards and things. But I think that usually in our 20s, we start to really understand kind of what we're up against in the world. And I think particularly now, you know, we're up against just an an overwhelming and seemingly insurmountable um, forces of, of destruction. And, and I'm speaking as a, as a privileged white person. And so, you know, there are people who are far more vulnerable than I am, um, facing far worse than I am. But I think like overall as a species on this planet, you know, like with the environmental destruction and, you know, the rise of fascism and all of those things, you know, we're looking for ways to find our power, to find our strength. And, you know, for a lot of us, we can't really turn to the, um, to the religions and the spiritual traditions that we might have been raised in. I I was very fortunate to be brought up, you know, in a Unitarian witch practicing household. But, you know, some people were brought up in religions that are, you know, like patriarchal, are very critical of, of women or the body or authoritarian. And so we can't really turn, sometimes we feel like we can't really turn to those means as a way of making sense of the difficulties that we face. Similarly, I think a lot of us, you know, will go to college or will find other social groups that are supposed to help us be able to make sense of life and its meaning and its purpose. And yet that those places also leave out really important um aspects of what it is to be human such as you know like what it is to be a spiritual being what it is Mm -hmm. to contemplate you know the meaning of life for instance or the fact that we die or to relate um to the world in an intimate way 
And so I think that's when a lot of people turn back to witchcraft or remember, oh, there was this thing. There was this thing that I, I thought about in childhood and 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 maybe it could help me. And so I think that's when we we start to to look again and develop our practices as adults. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, for, you know, for listeners who, you know, who do feel kind of stuck or hopeless because of the political climate and the environmental crisis that we're facing, how do you think they can use magic to counter that? Yeah, well, I think the magic is a daily practice we can we we can use it as a daily practice to reconnect with ourselves and reconnect with our hearts and what we believe to be most important because basically everywhere you look whether it's at work if it's online if it's on television we're being pulled off balance and we're being encouraged to distract ourselves to to be to be pulled away from from who we truly are and what is really important to us and so magic is a way of reconnecting ourselves to to our hearts and to the living spirit of the world around us and so I think if, you know, if someone out there is like, I, I just don't even know where to start and I feel so overwhelmed, a good way to practice what I do is um, I, I have a morning practice. And in my morning practice, I, I light a candle, I give offerings of fresh water and incense, um, I might pull a tarot card to focus me, and then I'll... I'll just tune in with myself. And there's a series of exercises that I do about grounding, uh, you know, connecting to the energy of the planet and centering myself, re- returning to my body. And I, I do shield- shielding practices as well, like visualizing shields of energy around me to protect me. All of these things are ways of essentially determining how I want to live my life, how I want to go about my day. It's a way of like reclaiming my body and my time and my spirit from the sort of world of distraction that's out there. And I, and I, I would, I would encourage any, any witch to do that. And the other things obviously that probably a lot of your listeners already know about is, you know, following the movements of the moon, the stars, the astrology, the seasons, learning about herbs, all of these are things that we use to reconnect us to the world and what we hold sacred. Because as witches, essentially what we're saying is, I refuse to submit or capitulate to what the so-called authorities in my world are telling me that I should care about. Instead, I form my own allegiance based on what I hold to be sacred. And for a lot of which is what is sacred is the earth, is the life force of the earth and our connection to other beings on this planet. And so in order to uh, effectively connect to them, we have to take time with them and we have to we have to make them a priority. We have to make that connection a priority. And so the, the techniques of witchcraft are really about that for me. So I love that you said that because every day on our podcast, we do touch on herbs in some aspect and we do acknowledge where the moon is. And um, for a while, I was questioning if if that was um, something worth doing. And um, hearing you say that, I think definitely validates that uh, even just a brief acknowledgement or a quick herb topic probably is the right, (laughs) you know, the right way to go. Um, 
are so speaking about your magic and about how you uh, work with your rituals. Uh, our listener Kate uh, actually saw you cast a circle uh, publicly. Um, I think in LA. Um, I'm I think in LA. I'm assuming, and she said that it was an incredible experience. Can you share with us more about how you go about designing your rituals? Yeah. Well, so I started to learn how to cast circle and uh, to do a lot of the rituals that I do now as a, as a teenager with my mother, who was a very accomplished priestess in her own right and, and did a lot of them. And, and I learned a lot from her, but I don't feel like people need to necessarily be raised by a witch in order to be able to do that. What I love to do is, to draw from my own history and practices in in other aspects of my life. So, you know, I come from a background in dance and performance. Um, I have a master's degree from CalArts. So I, I have a lot of background in the arts and that's something that I really appreciate. And so I use that training and um, and and the love of the of of performance in in the way that I hold ceremony. However, I feel like anybody can use whatever traditions that they come from. Like if they're teachers, or you know, um, if they are practice in activism or social justice, you know, they can bring whatever tools they have in their own work and circle into the circle when they're when they're doing ritual. So for me, because I have a dance background, I like my my rituals to be very embodied. And I like to use sound and rhythm and movement in order to bring us into that trance-like mm. state. Um, I like to use a lot of the accoutrements of theater, you know, with bells and with sounds and the the way that I use my voice during invocation, um, to me that just makes it more fun. It just makes it more of a full experience. But that's not true for everyone. You know, some people don't. You know, I also my moon's in Leo, so I'm like, bring it. I'm ready to. <laughs> I am ready to pull out my cane and my top hat and dance, have dance across the floor when I'm doing ritual. But not everybody likes that. You know, some people might just want to do, you know, invocation really quietly. Um, you know, like they, they might read a text or, um, just simply walk in a circle. And I think all of that's fine. It's really about what makes you feel excited. What makes you feel yeah, connected. That, yeah. That power, like what brings that power up inside of you? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. So when I'm, when I'm crafting them, I am always thinking, like, how can I bring in more sensory detail? Like, how can I use sound here? Like, how can I use the sense of touch here? How can I, um, how can I include scent in this moment in order to make this a more full-bodied experience? Uh, and I also try, uh, more and more, I'm trying to to consider like the needs of the most vulnerable to consider um, whose voices aren't being heard and finding ways to include 
or even foreground that or them or you know and trying to decenter myself but that but that's um it's also a challenge because if you're leading a ritual like figuring out ways of including people especially when you're leading public rituals where people might not feel comfortable or they're like I don't know what's going on <laughs> you know so it's like very easy it's much easier just to be like okay I'm gonna lead this and we'll do it like this because then um people it just find it easier to follow that way so I'm I'm wrestling with that and still exploring uh ways of ex expanding my repertoire and I hope to do that forever like I always want my my process to be changing and growing and and molting oh definitely you know um if we're the same people we were a year ago then that's not good <laughs> you know we want to change and evolve and be different and grow so you know speaking of growth uh in your book you did share some of the jobs you had before moving into the professional realm of witchcraft what inspired you to um make the change into having you know witchcraft be something that supports you financially well basically you know all through my 20s and into my early 30s i really struggled financially and i come from a late like a legacy of um financial struggle mm -hmm. and so that had that had kind of infiltrated my mind as just what i expected to be my lot in life and I never really, even though my, I was raised by a witch who really served as a priestess to our community, she didn't, she didn't charge for that work and she wasn't getting paid for it. And I really saw how, um, how, how kind of exploited she, my mother was, you know, like she's, she devoted all this time and energy into to supporting other people, but then she wasn't able to support herself and it made you know, her really miserable and by extension, <laughs> me oh, yeah. really miserable as her child. Um, so, you know, I, ne I, I never thought, oh, I want to do that when I grow up because it just seemed really um, taxing. And uh, and so I, I went into the arts, but as anybody who <laughs> has gone into the arts knows, it's like, it's very taxing to be an artist. It's not an easy way to make your living. But I also just like, I never, I never could really do anything else. You know, I went into education and I taught college. I was an adjunct teacher. I had every job you could think of. You know, I, uh, if you read my book, you'll see that I, I was a sex worker and, you know, exotic dancer, among other things, and, um, and, you know, which comes from the sort of legacies of trauma that I had in my childhood as well. And I just, everywhere I turned, I just felt like I was being exploited, you know, whether it was working as an adjunct teacher, where you're just really, you're working so hard, and you're getting paid so little, or or as a stripper, you know, like, you're, you're still being exploited there, too, because you're making money, essentially, for the owners of the strip clubs, and being, you know, you have to pay all this money to work there, mm -hmm. which people don't know. Um, yeah, and so, of course, so, the last thing you want is to be exploited for your spirituality and your magic. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but essentially what happened was I I was just called, you know, over the course of my 20s to do this work. And I started integrating it more and more into my performances and rituals. 
uh, that I held publicly as an artist. And then people just started asking me to do them privately. And, and from that, it kind of evolved. And I started to see a pathway where I could integrate my spiritual practices and my art practices and my philosophical practices, one might say, together. And it's something that I often tell my clients, you know, because a lot of my clients come to me saying things like, well, I don't know what I should do, or I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what my path is. And I, I didn't know either, really. But I can tell you that usually the world, the spirit of the world, the anima mundi, the universe, quote unquote, is already asking you, you know, I, I knew that this was my path because people in my community were asking me to do this work. And probably people are out there, you know, for your listeners, asking them already to do the thing that they are being called to do, or that is, you know, the, the path for them is something that people are probably asking them for, whether it's like to cook them meals or, mm-hmm. you know, to like if people are always trying to tell them their their problems or um you know if they're asking them to build them furniture or whatever it's usually because there's something that that people recognize as as their capability of what of what they need of what of what service they can provide and so um sometimes we we get called rather than make that choice if i had the choice i would have just been a professional dancer but i i wasn't i wasn't technically good enough to be a professional dancer unfortunately but the way that it ended up is actually much better because this i know that this is the work that i'm here on this planet to do and as difficult and challenging as it can be there is a really i mean it's very rewarding to feel like you're you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. And especially when it comes to helping people, um, you know, you want to be of service. And, you know, like you said, if people are coming to you and coming to you and coming to you, there's obviously something there. And it's right. something that you're being called to do. Uh, so you actually shared uh, with LA Times something that I loved. And you said, sometimes clinical help with a therapist, social worker, medical doctor or financial advisor is really what people need sometimes. And I know all of our listeners are on board with this train of thought because we always talk about practical things you can do before um, adding magical, uh, you know, techniques. So what is another magical trap you think people maybe fall into sometimes? Well, I think it's a parallel trap to that one, which is this idea that, you know, the I, if we think even, of, for instance, like the way that we see magic, like um, some of the f- first magic we might be exposed to would, do you remember, um, uh, what's that, the, the, is it Fantasia where Mickey Mouse, like, oh, uh, yeah, like, because, like, wears a ma- magician's hat and he, like, <laughs> gets the brooms to sweep up for him. Do you remember that? Yes, I remember that. Watching it at sleepovers. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and so in 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 that video or in that film, we see that Mickey is trying to use magic as a way of avoiding the work that he has to do. And I think that a lot of people think of magic that way. Like when we say something happens magically, what we're basically saying is it happens without work. And any any practicing witch knows magic is a lot of work. <laughs> it's often yeah. a lot easier just to go straight for the thing that you want rather than using magic 
to do it. Magic is something that should be, that is like something that you integrate into your entire life. It's a way of life and it's a way of reconnecting to your power, but it's not like a quote unquote magical solution that can get rid of all your problems. And I think that's a trap that people really fall into um, because often our problems are so hard to solve and we can't, we don't know how to solve them. And so we, we hope for magical solutions, but what magic can really do do is give us the strength and the clarity and the sense of purpose to be able to meet our problems with power and with grace. Um, it's probably not going to be able to get rid of or solve all of your problems for you. And a lot of the time we create, I mean, I want to say this with a few caveats, but a lot of the time we create our own problems. We also have problems that cannot be solved by magic alone because they are collective problems so for instance like if 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 we're worried about paying our rent you know that that is an uh, an issue that has a larger economic framework uh related to like capitalism and land rights and um exploitation and uh laws about like renters you know rights etc that, that's not just something that we can solve by by you know anointing a candle like that's something that we have to solve collectively and work towards collectively however we can do magic and ritual that sometimes does shift the course of uh the river we might say or, or you know affect the way the energy moves around us and we do find ourselves being able to pay our rent that month or getting the the place that we want or you know meeting that person that we're looking to meet or whatever all of those things are possible like magic increases your odds but it doesn't erase your odds and so i think focusing on you know the individual concerns rather than collective concerns is a major trap for a lot of people because we're so convinced by our culture that every problem has an individual solution when in fact most of our problems are collective problems that we have to work collectively to solve. Mm. Yeah, that's actually something I've never really thought about. Um, I've always had a big belief system that magic does work from the practitioner outwards, um, which I think is a similar idea, but the way you explained it... Uh, makes a lot of sense and I think it's really going to shift the way a lot of our listeners maybe approach spell work in particular I for me that's one of the most important things and and that's also one of the most empowering things is to remember that witchcraft isn't just about you know personal success or wealth or even happiness but that our happiness comes through working towards um a greater collective purpose and happiness and, and bringing about, um, you know, happiness and vitality and uh, enchantment, love for, for all beings on, on this planet. And so, you know, witchcraft, I see it, you know, it when we say spiritual, like spirituality isn't just about getting what you want. It's about creating a world where we can all flourish and thrive and in fact ultimately i think that's what all of our hearts really want and that will lead to our greatest happiness um but i think that the the way that witchcraft is sort of marketed right now um in 
shops or on Instagram is very much about this personal fulfillment because it's easier to sell products that way. But I, I think ultimately it won't get us what we're actually looking for, which is, you know, our feelings of security and safety and power in this world come through our connection with our own heart and with our connection with others. And so witchcraft is a is a means of creating that. And then we will feel empowered and then we will feel strong and our world will change. And I've seen that in my own life, in the life of my clients, in the life of my readers, um, the people who listen to my podcast. Um, you know, I, I see it all the time that we gain strength through a practice of witchcraft. We become more empowered by essentially through that love and connection that we're creating through these practices. Um, my, uh, my magical sister, um, Fiona Horn, she, she said in, you know, one of her books recently about being, being of service to the universe, being of good to the universe. And, uh, you know, I read that year, like maybe about two years um, ago now, and it changed the entire way I approached people, I approached magic, uh, just everything of just how I saw the world. And when I realized that when I started trying to be of service to the universe, being of good to the universe, everything just got better. Yeah, I mean, that, that I just can't emphasize that point enough. It's so important for me, my practice really began to thrive when I made that shift. You know, I was able to support myself doing this work, which is, you know, let's be honest, very unlikely in this world that you could be a professional witch and, and do well at it and well enough to be able to support yourself and live comfortably. And I was able to do that when I stopped thinking about what I needed or like what I wanted, or what was better for me, and instead started to think about how I could be of use, how I could be of service, like what people needed from me. And think, and I started thinking about, you know, I don't know everything, I do not know all the answers, like I don't have every skill, but whatever skills I do have, I'm going to bring those, you know, whatever whatever I've got, I'm going to bring it in full force to try and be of help. And when I did that, that's when I started, my life changed. Because up until that point, I'd really been like scrambling and struggling and scared and looking for someone to kind of come in and rescue me or save me. And when I started to think about like how I could contribute my life radically changed and I and I and I hear that that you're saying that that was the same for you as well yeah and I, I think people very much underestimate that when you make make a small change like that or just your perception or your goals the you know the ripple effect it has on you and everyone around you in the world well, I think that you're really talking about one of the most fundamental principles of witchcraft, which, you know, from our grandmother, which Starhawk says that, you know, magic is a shift in perception. Mm -hmm. And the shift in perception that we're talking about here is moving from this idea of fear that we're not going to get what we need and scrambling to try and get it to an offering of service and gratitude for what the world already is and is providing for you. And that shift in mindset 
radically changes what you see, what you're able to access, what you feel, the way you interact with other people. And so it makes sense that it has that effect to, to enrich our lives so radically. Oh, 100%. And honestly, I don't think there's a better message we could end on, truly. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's uh, what I think that's what everyone really everyone with, within the witchcraft community should be moving towards, especially in our current you know community where I think we all could be just a little kinder and you know better to each other. Yeah, I mean witches are fallible just like any other group of people, and we certainly see troubles, feuds coming out in the witch community too but absolutely i think if we all think about like how can i be of service how can i bring wisdom how can i bring peace how can i bring you know love and power to this situation for the greatest good of all concerned that you'll be doing witchcraft right if you do that mm-hmm. so they can find me on my instagram at oracle of la or at facebook oracle of la i think as well I also, they can check out my website, um, oracleoflosangeles.com, where they could listen to my podcast, Between the Worlds, um, where we talk about many of the same issues. So um, I love to increase our witch community and, and stay in touch in, in, through the ethers and beyond. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you have any questions, witch fails, want to learn about advertising, or know of news we missed, please email us at thewitchdailypodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support The Witch Daily Show and participate in some live shows and magical perks, head on over to patreon.com slash witchdailyshow. I hope you have a day filled with magic and inspiration. We will talk to you again tomorrow morning.